tell you a story about the house run blue. I come home one Friday, had to tell the landlady I done lost my job. She said, that don't confront me, long as I get my money next Friday. Now next Friday I come, I didn't get the rent, and out the door I went. Welcome to Basketball Buzz, the show that combines three great things, Kentucky basketball, college basketball, and bourbon. I'm one of your three hosts, Arizona Terry. With me are Shane Michael. Guys, how are we doing all tonight? Hey, yeah, we're doing great. I know it's been uh, quite a bit time since we've recorded, and we've all had a pretty busy summer for different reasons, so it's really nice to be able to, things have finally settled down, and we can get together and finally record, because, um, you know, there has been a little bit of a lot going on, so I feel like this comes at a perfect time. Uh, as far as me, I've been I've been moving, uh, so finally moved into my new space, and you guys see the new office behind me. I got a setup going on, and so I'll have some blue lights going on in the background. So very excited about that. I went to Hawaii like twice. I went to Atlanta and and uh, North Carolina, so it's been busy traveling. And uh, yeah, my daughter, she's almost one. She's about to be one in about a month, and so she's nearly walking. And so we're just trying to keep up with her and. You know, they really come to life and their little personality comes out. So pretty exciting, exciting stuff. Shay, you blink and she'll go yeah. from being one to being 20, which mine <laughs> will be in a couple of months. Um, I, I've had a great summer so far, too. Uh, my wife and I just got back from a months long honeymoon in Europe. And um, I followed up Europe by spending um, a week in Vegas. Not quite a week. Uh, that was on business in the air quotes uh that that was a lot of fun too um we're actually heading out to mexico next week uh taking my daughter to an nf concert um in orlando uh, a couple weeks after that so got a lot of stuff going on but uh there is sunshine outside there is bourbon in a glass inside and life is great yeah i mean you're basically deported to europe for a month there (laughs) Happy came back to the U.S., man. Sounds pretty you know, awesome. I, I actually got to play basketball in Latvia. Like, and, and let me tell you, it, it was a really cool experience. I, I loved Latvia. I'm sure most people probably have never been there. Uh, if my wife had not been born in Riga, Latvia, I never would go there. There's not a whole lot to do, but it's absolutely beautiful. And we found um, a place on the coast uh, of the Baltic Sea, uh, a little beach town called Yermola. And we went there and we spent a couple days and we found a basketball court. And um, Julie still has family that live over there. So um, some of her family members came over and I got to play basketball with them. Cool thing was we're out just, you know, screwing around, uh, shooting jumpers. And an expat comes over and starts talking to us. Guy from New York. Um, I actually had on a Nuggets t-shirt at the time, which we'll talk more about later. (laughs) Um, And... We, we just strike up a conversation and he's like, and you know, we, we talked to him and I'm like, yeah, from originally from Kentucky, big basketball fan. He's like, I've been out here for a couple of years. Um, and he, he's a little older than I am. He's like, you know who I really love? I love Julius Randall. Cause <laughs> this guy's, this guy's from New York, from New York and the Knicks are his team. And he like goes out of his way to like, let me know because I'm a Kentucky guy. Yeah, man. Julius Randall. He's, he's got it all. Love watching that guy play. He's fantastic. And, and, and this was happening literally on the other side of the earth. 
Um, I, I can't tell you that my jumpers were as as pure as the bourbon I'm drinking tonight, but it was fun to play basketball in Latvia. So can I ask you a question, Mike? Did you do any recruiting when you were out there, or were all the guys pretty much signed to Arizona and, and Gonzaga? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you, you know, uh, I, I, I look up, and I think uh, everybody also has uh, an offer from Arkansas. But, you know, I, I, I do what I can. Um, That's funny. I, I, it, it was it was nice to see that uh, uh, in Latvia, I'm not the shortest human being. Um, I don't think we're going to do a whole lot of recruiting from Latvia. Although, um, as I was over there, um, I did notice, uh, just looking it up on the, the Google machine, uh, George played over there. Uh, Harrelson played. Uh, there, there's a pro basketball league, which unfortunately had just ended like the week before we got there. Um, but uh, Harrelson played on the team that eventually won the championship this year. So Kentucky, there is a Kentucky connection in Latvia. And Porzingis is Latvian. Yeah. Um, it's I, I mean, but, but Baltic countries, uh, I mean, we, I, I normally associate better basketball uh, with Lithuania. Um, but, yeah, like there, there's some ballers over there. The question is, can you find bourbon over there? Hmm. So uh, th- they actually have their own liquor. And it's called Balsams, and it's really good. In fact, it actually has a higher alcohol content than the bourbon I'm drinking tonight. Um, no, Terry, I had to settle for uh, Jim Beam mostly. Uh, if I got lucky, there was Woodford. Uh, no, if I got lucky, there was Makers. Um, I, I sipped Woodford in Paris, which was fantastic. Uh, but, yeah, there's not a whole lot of bourbon in Latvia. No, my update, man, I haven't done any big vacations and a lot of regional trips, little weekend trips like we always do. My stuff's going to happen in the fall. I've definitely been enjoying bourbon so far this uh, spring and summer. And uh, I mean, I live in Flagstaff, so it's like a vacation. Just living there, man. Just come on. It's awesome. Now, we've had a long hiatus, guys, and there's a ton of information. So we're going to probably split this up between two podcasts. We're going to cover a lot of things. I guess we'll just talk about the topics a little bit, then we'll dive into the other stuff. We're definitely going to talk about the roster. Antonio Reeves, the addition of Jordan Burks, Joey Hart, Trey Mitchell. Talk a little bit about Bradshaw and his injury and how that's going to impact him or in his uh, relationship with Clutch. And then uh, the newest cat, Santo, who's going to stay in the 2024 class. But before we go into that, Let's dive into a little bit of bourbon, chat about bourbon a little bit. And uh, Shay, you want to go first? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I finally got back into buying some bourbon uh, after taking a bit of break. And so today I'm drinking the um, Whistle Pig Piggyback uh, Bourbon Whiskey, age six years. It's 100 proof. Um, again, age six years. Uh, I couldn't find any information on the mash bill, but they do did put out um, that it is a high corn mash bill. I believe... Whistle Pig is in Vermont, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, again, pick this bot- bottle up at Costco, maybe $10 or $20 off MSRP. MSRP is $50. Um, you know, has a really nice light golden kind of a russet colored uh, appearance. Uh, very traditional bourbon flavors on the nose uh, and at the beginning of the palate. Um, spice, vanilla, caramel, oak. A little bit of toasted walnut and, you know, just this tad, of, tad bit of leather. Um, and then in the flavoring, very similar. A little bit of oak smoke, smokiness, maple. 
And then it has this very interesting aftertaste. It's not you won't notice it if you're if you if no one told you, but it almost tastes like a green tea. And sometimes I feel like that's just a mix of ice melting and the bourbon. But it seems like people who even drink it neat, and I think I'm gonna have some neat after I finish this glass, uh, to really look out for that. So um, it is a very traditional bourbon. I whistle pig is of course known for their rye, um, so it's relatively new within a couple of years that they've moved on to to making bourbon as well. I would say I'd probably give this a three barrel rating uh, out of five. It's not bad by any means. It's it's a solid good bourbon. I can't tell you it's one of my favorite bourbons. Um, at the MSRP price, it's definitely not one of the better ones that you can choose. But uh, I would not, you know, be embarrassed to be drinking this. It's just a good, solid, all-around bourbon. A little bit, again, a little bit high um, ABV for my liking. I usually like to keep it around the 90 to 95. But I think this is something that everybody will kind of like, just because it's at 100. So, you know, 100 proof, something, something that really has something for everyone. Um, just good, solid, all-around bourbon. So it's like a daily sipper, right? Yeah, I mean, I personally wouldn't go for it as a daily sipper okay. um, because they've just got much better options. You know, Woodford Reserve, I mean, definitely a better option or at the similar price point. So, you know, I, I would probably say that Whistlepig might, this might be their jumping off point and let's see what else they come up with after this. Um, but uh, it's just a, a solid bourbon, you know, good all around bourbon. But not great. And you got it at Costco. So you can find it there. Correct. Yeah. In, in, in the 50s, priced pretty decently. Not too bad. Yeah, I think a 750 ml bottle was about 40 bucks, maybe. Okay. Maybe 35, $40. I can't remember, but somewhere around there. Very cool. Yeah, they're definitely Vermont, which is interesting. Interesting state to be cranking out <laughs> whiskey. I don't I think of ice cream. I think Vermont. Okay, so I'm going to go next. I'm going to talk about uh, barrel bourbon cast drink. This is batch 33, um, came out last year. It is sourced from multiple distilleries in Kentucky, Indiana, and, and Tennessee. It's a blend. So it's got five-year, six-year, seven, nine-year bourbons. They combine them, then they uh, age them for five years. They don't tell the, ne- the mash bill because it's a hot mess. There's a lot of rye. Just, I'll tell you, <laughs> there's a lot of so, there's a So lot you're going to tell us that you like it because you're a rye guy. You know, really high rye stuff kind of tickles my throat a little bit. It has this, um, it's an interesting, like a side effect. It's, it's okay. Uh, the, I like rye, but this this is pretty high rye. It has a beautiful color. It's like a, uh, a copper color. It's a little pricey. I mean, I think you can find it for 90 bucks and other places in the country. In Arizona, it's, it's a little bit more of that, probably like $99 a bottle. So it's not cheap. Um, on the nose, it's, a lot of cinnamon, baking spices. That's where you get that little spiciness from the rye and you get that oak. Um, has a taste of like butterscotch. It's a good tasting bourbon. Um, it has a really long finish. And that's where that rye kind of kicks in, spicy. And it has that real warming baking spices thing. It has that long rye finish. I think it's a solid bourbon. Um, it's, it's good tasting. It's got a mix of that, spice, that spicy and that sweet flavor to it. The proof is 116.6. So it's it's a high it's a high proof, but it's not like in you know in the 120s and super hot. It's not super hot. But you know, I think three and a half bourbon barrel rating where it should be at 
it's a little more than I think it should cost. This should be probably in the seventies max. Uh, there's other choices I prefer. I, I prefer smoke wagon uncut and filtered versus this any day. And it's, you know, 20 bucks cheaper a bottle, but it's definitely one to try, especially if you want to collect all the different barrel bourbons that are out there. There's, there's a, you know, a couple great bottles, but not, not, not the best, but not the worst. Not the best, not the worst. Yes, yeah, so it all seems right. like we have a, a theme coming, coming, going on right now. Uh, let, let's, let's see what I do with that theme. Um, so uh, Julie and I took a trip uh, up to Beloit, uh, Wisconsin uh, last year for her uh, college reunion. And while we were uh, in the Milwaukee area, um, I picked up uh, three different bottles of bourbon uh, that were local to Wisconsin. And um, I'm opening one for the first time tonight, and it's called Hatch Distilling Company Honey Barrel Whiskey. So um, it's actually kind of cool. The bottle is, um, I mean, when you look through it, you can actually see um, a bee, a honeybee through it. Um, the, the liquid itself, the bourbon is, I would call amber, um, very amberish. Um, this is, um, pretty good taster for me again, because I like, uh, the sweeter bourbons. Um, I I can't tell you what the mash bill is. Couldn't find it. Couldn't really find much online about this at all. Um, this has kind of similar with, uh, Shay, your theme and Terry yours as well. There's some pros and cons here. Um, on the nose, you immediately um, can smell the fact that this is a very young bourbon. Um, in fact, uh, it looks like it's probably only a two-year bourbon. Uh, if you're going to have um, a sweeter bourbon that's infused with honey, and this really isn't infused per se, it's aged in a honey barrel, um, I, I don't know that you're going to get um, – greater flavor necessarily from aging it longer because honey is the predominant uh, taste, the predominant flavor and, and smell here. So I don't really mind that it's, that it's only two years. Um, I know a lot of people would, um, it, there is some spice here. Um, and it may very well be rye. Um, I do get some baking spices, which I wasn't, um, I, I didn't really anticipate in something that was going to be sweet like this. Um, overall, um, I like it because I like something that's sweet. Um, I don't know necessarily that unless you're after a sweet or a honey bourbon that you're really going to care for this. In fact, I'm going to say if honey bourbon is your thing, get, get a bottle of this. I think I paid 35 bucks. So again, it's a good price point. Um, if you don't love, um, sweet or honey bourbon, you're going to want to stay away from this. Um, on the other hand, for me, because it's only 70 proof, um, this is not really just a sipper for me. Like I, I could chug this guys. It, it, it has, it has the flavor profile that I really adore. So, um, I, in fact, even though I typically, uh, drink, uh, rocks, um, and that's how I'm, I'm drinking tonight, uh, probably going forward, I may just, uh, sip this neat which is not something that I normally do, but at uh, 70 proof, I feel like I can do that and get away with it. Um, The great thing though, is going to different places and seeing what is local there. Um, This is 
uh, a barrel that they actually grow their own honey. They have their, their, their own bee colony. They grow their own honey. They, they take that honey, they store it in, in barrels, and then they remove the honey and put the bourbon in. And they do that apparently for just over two years. Um, so I do get a great um, honey flavor, which is, again, for me, what I go after. I'm going to say uh, probably a, a three-barrel for me. And if you don't like sweeter or honey notes associated with your bourbon, uh, this is probably going to be like a one and a half. Yeah, there's a distillery in the Western Slope of Colorado that gets honey from Honeyville out of Durango. And they they had samples of their their bourbon. You would love it. It's I think it's like at 80 proof or 90 proof. It's not super high proof, but it's very honey forward. Like you, I, I, you I know. Would love it. Yeah, I know, Terry, the one you're talking about. In fact, um, I had that um, last year, and we'll have that again this year in another couple of months. Um, they, I, I can't remember the name of the company, but they set up at the uh, Breckenridge, Breckenridge Wine Festival. Um, they were last year the only bourbon company that was there. Uh, we'll be back for that again this year, and I'm looking forward to sampling some more. And get sponsored by them. <laughs> I mean, the show actually does deserve a sponsorship. Come on. Yeah, we're working on it. All right, Shay, it's time for the heavy lifting, man. All right. this, this is your moment. This is it. <laughs> it's been building up for weeks because hey, it's well, been, been quite the spring roster. Yeah, okay. what do you want to call it, man? Just and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. You know, is this panic warranted? Because I was panicking a little bit, but I also was like, no. you know what? I, I really don't care. It's going to be fine. Like, I just was like, you know, FAU and I forget who else, San Diego State made it to the to the uh, Final Four on, what, zero combined stars or something players. And I was like, you know, I think it's just a crapshoot now and there's so much parody. I'm sure, you know, everything will work out. But, um, you know, definitely less panic for me than years in the past. But I can't say it was zero panic. I just used humor to, to deal with it. <laughs> I noticed that like within a lot of our uh, Twitter buds and stuff, there's humor definitely kept people sane because there was the moment where, you know, we didn't know if Cal was out of the bed for a few weeks or had, like crippling depression. He couldn't leave the house. I don't know. <laughs> but, it, you know, I wasn't worried because I'm old and I just don't give a shit about stuff like that much. But the number one thing for me was getting Antonio Reeves back. Because we 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 all agreed that Oscar he needed to go. Um, yeah, Chris Chris was always going to go. You know, yeah. he was never going to be here. Reeves was the guy. So getting Reeves back was huge. I'll let you guys talk more about that. But getting him back just made everything so much better. Because we have this great you know freshman class coming in. Then you got this this stud of a score, a guy who can score from you know three levels. Yeah, let me know your thoughts, guys. I mean, it's huge. I, I honestly, I had been telling you guys, I think you heard me continue to say the most important guy for this team is not Oscar. Um, it was Antonio Reeves. Um, Oscar has limitations. And I think that the guys that we have coming in, Aaron Bradshaw, Ugo, I would like to see them get some run at the five because I felt that they helped us out more defensively than Oscar would have. And we'd have more of the same situation uh, with Oscar. Um and so getting Antonio Reeves, he's another floor spacer. 
he is a little bit inconsistent, but you'll notice the second half of the season, he was markedly better. I think Cal really figured out how to trust him, number one. Um, and number two, started using him to using him to his strengths. Like, I think in the first half of the season, he was kind of used sort of like Kellen Grady. They kind of put him in the corner and just had him sh- kind of shoot open jumpers. But you'll notice he's a lot better working off the bounce, uh, which is interesting for a guy who isn't really a plus athlete, kind of an average to to low athlete. But, you know, in today's basketball environment, you don't always have to be the best athlete on the court. If you really look at Steph Curry, um, shooting really is the greatest, greatest equalizer, and he is extremely good at it. Um, allowing him to run in the pick and roll um, just really opened up his game. And so knowing who we have coming in with DJ Wagner and, and Rob Dillingham, there's a lot of room now. There's a large, larger margin for error. Uh, because you kind of feel confident at least one of those two guys, Antonio Reeves or Rob Dillingham, are going to go off from scoring. So it gives yet another scoring option to our team. Um, and it looks like with the guys coming in, we are going to have a high-powered offensive group, which is something that we've been begging for. Uh, and we'll see how we, we do defensively. Antonio was a bit lost on the defensive end. I expect to see him have some improvement. He's definitely bulked up since his time at Illinois State, uh, but he gives another steadying presence. He's not... It was kind of a situation where I wanted him to come back. I thought it was best for him to come back. Um, you know, there may have been some issues with him not being able to transfer. That worked out in our favor. We'll, we'll take the win, you know. Um, but he's not a guy that is a huge team leader. He's a bit of a shy dude. Uh, so I thought that we could replace his production. But knowing that he's back, it's more of a sure thing that will get that production out of him. And it gives you another body in case somebody gets injured to, to rely on. Cause you know, you can really dial up his load or, you know, dial down, dial, dial down how much you use him. Uh, so I'm pretty excited to have him back. Yeah. I, I think, I think he was always at the key and Shay, you, you're right. He is kind of a shy guy by nature. Um, just because that's who he is right now or who he's grown up being doesn't necessarily mean that he can't, grow into um, a, a different role. And I, I really hope that Cal challenges him, the staff challenges him to be that more focal, ostentatious kind of a leader because there's no real reason why he can't be. I think sometimes it's a choice. And you look at, at this team and, um, I mean, everybody's 17, 18, 19 years old. Like th- this is going to be that team where um, having any amount of continuity Anybody that was on last year's squad that comes back to this year's squad that actually has playing experience, that's going to be really, really important, maybe more so on this team than most any other that Cal has had at Kentucky. But I think, too, um, and Terry, you, you kind of touched on this, um, th- there's a difference between when um, Cal, maybe the first half of the year, looked at Reeves as um, a shooter instead of a scorer. And, and th- those are those can be similar. Uh, one kind of plays off the other. But when you understand that he's more than just a give the guy uh, the ball in the corner and let him shoot a jump shot, let him get out there, give him space, let him do his thing. He's going to he showed in the second half of the season um, how good he actually was at doing that. Um, hopefully he's continued to progress with his game. But ultimately, I think that's going to benefit everybody else because he still shoots at um, a high enough level, high enough percentage that um, 
he's going to create open shots and open looks for others. Yeah. And I'm hoping that um, if the spacing is right on this team, um, it, anybody is going to be able to get a good look with the extra pass. That, that's where I thought last year um, the ball kind of got stuck early in the season with Wheeler. Um, throughout the season, really with Oscar, who um, despite all of his you know great qualities, not the best passer um, out of the post. Pretty terrible um, passer. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to be generous. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I, I, I really feel like that this team is going to get uh, more open looks this season than it did last season. And, and let, let's be honest: when we complain that uh, a Kentucky team or any team um, isn't a good shooting team, a good shooting team in part is defined by the shots that they take. And if you're getting shots closer to the basket or shots where you're more open, you're you're going to shoot a higher percentage. Doesn't matter who you are. That's the team that I expect we're going to see this upcoming season and in great part because of Reeves coming back. Yeah, you got you got now, you know, we had lineups last two seasons where we had two non-shooting threats, three non-shooting threats on the court. Uh, Maybe one guy could shoot but wasn't allowed to. Like Jacob Toppin was not taking those open threes the first half of the season. Or when we had Keon Brooks, he just refused to shoot it or wasn't allowed to shoot it by Cal. Now we may go to a situation where we throw lineups out there. We have five guys capable of making threes, at least four. And, you know, how much gravity, like I always talk about the concept of shooting gravity. You don't always have to make the shot. But C.J. Frederick being on the floor, as kind of mediocre as he was, there had to be a defender that respected him and brought that defender out of the paint, brought a double team, like got rid of a double team that would have occurred. Um, And Antonio Reeves, it's very difficult to go from a mid-major conference, even if you were the leading scorer, best player in the conference, go up to a power five level and then be, be the top you know, leading scorer on the team or the second leading scorer on the team in the SEC, which is a grown man's conference, you know, one of the best conferences in college basketball, probably number two, maybe argument for number one in certain years, you know, and go and be successful, which means that he should have been at the power five level from the beginning. He's a guy who is going to play pro basketball for a long time. He's going to make tons of money playing pro basketball, maybe not in the NBA, but he's going to do that. You don't always have guys on your team that can do that. To have another one of those dudes that is an upperclassman who came from, like I said, a mid-major situation and, and, and really flourished, that shows you a lot about how good he is. I mean, Kellen Grady, we talked about this before. I always say Kellen Grady, one of the best mid-major players I've ever seen, came to the SEC and really struggled, struggled for the first half of the season. I mean, he was good you know, overall, but I think he was a little bit underwhelming from what we expected. So um, it's huge. I mean, you saw how many teams – Coveted Antonio Reeves and like before he even went in the transfer portal, we heard Memphis oh, yeah. wanted him, Indiana wanted him, Illinois, Oklahoma, Michigan, all these teams really value shooting, and they saw how good he was at it, how much of a sure thing he was shooting the ball. Um, you know, the last game notwithstanding, but there may be other reasons for that. But you saw how coveted he was, and to get a guy everybody else wanted, we should be pretty excited about that. Yeah, I think he's going to be more consistent next year. I just have a feeling he's he's going to be more comfortable, and he's a good Absolutely. player, man. Like, getting him back was like – that was the number one thing to do, for sure. Let's talk about Jordan Burks, because when you look at some of his film, he just looks like he can play ball, man. He's like 6'9", skillful, uh, three-star, committed to Ole Miss, and then they had the coaching change in Ole Miss, and he got out of his um, letter of intent. And, boy, we I think we got to steal. This guy has – he just looks like he's going to do something. I think he's yeah. going to be a great addition. 
I also think so. You know, when we talk about, I think you've heard a lot of people say, we need some of our freshmen to hit. I think they might be writing him off. And I, I, this is not me being a homer, um, you know, because I am lower on some guys that we get than, than other people might be. But I think this is a guy who is a clear future pro. The, look at the measurable, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, the absolute bucket. As many people have heard, he led OTE in scoring. Uh, OTE is a league that had Rob Dillingham, has Santo Cyril, has the, um, the Thompson twins. He, he was outscoring all of these guys. Um, just kind of like, and I, I say this very carefully, like a, almost like a, he's like a Brandon Ingr- Ingram type scorer. Um, just one of those six, nine dudes that can really put the ball. I'm not saying he's going to be that good, but what I am saying is that maybe I wouldn't be surprised to look up and he might be our second best freshman. That's not crazy mm. to me. Um, I don't think, I think the limiting situation might be strength, might be uh, him, might be him stuck behind other guys in the rotation. But from what I've heard, he's been shadowing uh, Justin Edwards. He's been shadowing a to try to be as good as they are. And so that's a really good sign. Cause you know, one of his concerns with him is a lot of people didn't feel like he was very coachable, but to show that he wants, he's willing to be here and put in work. That's, that's huge. I've heard overall really great things about this team's willingness to work and to hit the ground running as compared to other teams. You know, they've already started a breakfast club. They're already working out. I think they also feel the pressure of, this season and they know that how good they can actually be. And it's really just a matter of effort. Maybe it won't take them all the way to the national championship, but you can really show Kentucky fans that get them behind you. So I'm a huge fan of Jordan Burks. Um, You know, you can't teach that kind of size and shooting ability. I don't think he's going to be a a high percentage shooter as a freshman, but I think he's going to be able to have some games where he keeps his other team honest, just rips off two, three, two or three three-pointers, it's going to be incredible. I think he's got a really high ceiling. He's another guy that, though, is not is, is not as good of an athlete as you would expect looking at him. But because of that, those measurables can really cover up for it. So um, very, very skilled. And I think it's a good balance between skill, skill there and measurables. So I'm very excited about him. Three stars, national ranking 174. I mean, I, I don't I don't know everything that goes into those rankings, but uh, the staff must have seen something special in a kid that apparently is uh, the eighth best kid in Arizona. Terry, uh, he, he played down down in Phoenix. You're you're in Phoenix right now. Did you ever see this kid play in high school? Did not. Wasn't on the radar. You know how we are. We're looking at these five star guys all the time and these under the radar guys. But dude, he he can play. He can score. Uh, that great size. If, if there's and one stat, go ahead. And he accepts his role, right? He came here knowing he's, you know, he's going to have limited minutes and he'll take advantage of the opportunity. So I like that. I mean, he came here also knowing that he's going to be up against one of the best small forwards, in my opinion, in the nation, uh, which we almost forgot that we have Justin Edwards. I love Justin Edwards. Yeah, I've always, I, I've too. been telling you guys about Justin Edwards going on two years now. I'm a huge fan of him. He's like my favorite prospect of the last two three years maybe four just because i just love the way he plays he reminds me of my favorite cat of all time tayshaun prince but being able to go up against justin edwards every day um right now burks according to jack pilgrim has been going up against ugana uh because we just don't have that front court depth yet that hasn't arrived on campus and we'll talk about that in a bit but just getting that type of experience being able to play in the low it's just gonna be great for him so uh, if there's one staff, as I was saying, that I, I trust to have an eye for talent, 
it's the UK staff. I mean, I've been really down on them in certain aspects, maybe using guys in ways that I didn't really agree with. Uh, but it, it, they have an eye for talent. They know, you know, who's good, especially yeah. Orlando Atigua. So that combined with the addition of, of that we've come for, I forgot to add to our agenda is uh, uh, Riley Welch's dad, uh, Coach Welch is going to be incredible. He's comes highly lauded. If you look at his resume, he's coached in some of the, you know, most amazing coaches of the last 20, 30 years. And he, he, you know, he's very close to a lot of UK guys. He's been watching Kentucky for the last four years. He said in an interview, uh, he's worked with DeMarcus Cousins. He's worked with Rajon Rondo, real serious NBA guys. And he, so he has a lot of experience. He's a guy that w- could work anywhere in the league, anywhere in basketball that he wanted. And he chose to come to Kentucky. So we, we, I've heard that this is the best hire since we hired Kenny Payne as an assistant. So um, that's what we're hearing. Yeah. Jack yeah. was talking about it on the sort of say podcast that, Coach Welch is already making a huge impact in player development. That's that is awesome because you know the next hire for coach probably be you know Chuck Martin as an assistant coach, and that's one of Cal's guys, and that's cool. That's cool. We're fine with it. But Welch was really important for the for this team. Let's yeah. let's go and talk about Joey Hart. So I know I look at Joey Hart, six foot four guard. I'm like it's an Indiana kid, so Indiana kids can shoot the basketball typically, right? He's a little more athletic than that. He actually has pretty good – he's a good athlete. So I'm, I'm wondering what you guys think about this kid. I mean, I'm happy we got him. I thought Indiana would make a huge pitch for him and probably land him, but here he is, man. He's a cat. Doesn't yeah, he look he, like the kind of guy that would go to Duke? He does. <laughs> am, am I wrong here? Duke? No. No, you're not wrong because he, he probably – I'm happy we got him because it's another shooter, man. Like, we got another shooter. You're not wrong, Michael. You're white. Uh, <laughs> I see what you did there, Shay. I was no, trying. To, I was trying to say hey, that. Hey, I was hey. saying that earlier. Well, other people have already said it. You know, he really looks like the the old school type of guy that Kentucky fans will love, right? Oh, yeah, Reed, Shep- yeah, Reed Shepherd. Reed Shepherd's going to make a lot of money, boys. A lot yeah. of money. So no, I, I he's got bounce. He's got bounce. I, I like his game from what I've read. Uh, 41% three-point shooter in high school. Um, so he's going to come in, and it, it appears as though he may be athletic enough that he may cause some problems because y- you can't give him space. He'll, he'll get that jump shot over you. You get too close, and he's going to get around you. So, yeah, like I, I'm actually really excited, and the more I've read about this kid, uh, the more excited I've gotten because – uh, you know, maybe sky's the limit. Um, I, I like the idea that we took a kid that I thought would fit in pretty well at Duke. Um, and it really doesn't have anything to do with Duke. Like, I, I, they've they've been able to take a kid like this, similar to this, and put in their system and have that kid do really, really well. I see no reason why Kentucky can't do the same thing. Um, you know, we, we've gotten over the years some really great talent from the state of Indiana, um, and typically they've been uh, guards, and typically they've been really, really good shooters. So, yeah, like that's that, that's kind of cool that we um, go across the river and poach somebody and uh, put them in a big blue jersey. Yeah, yeah um, got another another guy that can shoot, and he knows his role at Kentucky coming here. He's he's happy to be here. The I would say that the ish, the difference between a Duke or uh, you know, Syracuse or whatever school, it's the conference. I mean, it's really hard 
to play in the SEC. It's like I said, it's a grown man's league. Physically, it may not be the most skilled league, but physically, the guards and the big men in, in the SEC are the closest thing to the NBA. And you hear a lot of players uh, talk about that. Um, I think if you heard the interview with Lance Ware that our boys at Rupp to No Good had, Lance Ware was mentioning that the difference between pay, playing at Villanova or playing in other schools is that SEC guards just want to drive the ball down your throat every single time they have the ball, basketball. Kentucky wants to do that. So my concern with Joey Hart, it's not really a concern. It's just that as a freshman, I don't think physically he's there yet. So I, w- I wouldn't expect too much of him. And I, I think you shouldn't beat yourself up. It's okay to let guys develop. Guys improve. I saw a lot of negativity you know, across – Twitter from Kentucky fans about the addition of a three-star, even from big media heads, like, oh, how the mighty have fallen. We're, we're taking three stars now. I think we are a victim of our own success. We are one of the few schools in the past that would have five stars up and down the roster. But I let me tell you, every single college basketball program, every high major program, fills their roster with three-star players, including Duke. Duke has yeah. done that many times. And those guys ended up being good, or some of those guys ended up transferring away. You, yep. in, especially in the NIL era, you are not going to get a five-star player to come sit at the end of the bench and get do not plays. It's not going to happen. Thank you. Yeah, and so that is okay. That they're, they're four-star players that end up they're five-star guys that end up never making the league and flaming out. They're three-star guys that end up being NBA all-stars. You don't know. And one thing I do know is that shooting translates, um, especially when you have a, a loaded team. Uh, I think looking at him, again, physically probably not there, but the fact that he is a, a plus athlete and he's probably up to 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six now, it bodes well for the future. And he, maybe in his sophomore, junior season, to, a, to, a, to those times, he can really be a valuable piece for us shooting the basketball. Maybe he could be someone something better than what we expected C.J. Frederick to be for us, you know, C.J. Frederick plus athleticism. Um, yeah. The fact that he lived like 20, 30 minutes outside Bloomington and they didn't even look at him, uh, was kind of one of the reasons he ended up at Kentucky because he's like, you guys didn't even recruit me. You didn't even look at me. And now you kind of want me that Kentucky wants me. You saw after Kentucky offered <laughs> five other schools were like, I went out because that's how other schools really appreciate. They really, they know how good Kentucky they know is at evaluating talent. So, so you saw, you know, it happened with a dude, the arrow, like Kentucky offered and then 10 other schools offered right after that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of this addition. I just would, I would just ask fans to, temper expectations about him and really yeah. look at him like a bonus that he's a guy that you, you don't have to go out and look for a shooter next year. You don't have to go out and get a transfer next year that can shoot, um, you know, and, and he'll be good for the future. So a guy that's already in the program, already in the program. And that's, that's a big bonus. The guy that's already what, been in the program. What a plus. And wasn't SGA a three-star? He was a high four-star player. Uh, he was well, he had committed to Florida and then reopened his commitment or reopened his uh, uh, recruitment. But, again, he, he's a little bit of an anomaly, but you really saw the talent there. I think he had a meteoric rise to, towards the towards the end of his high school's career. But, you know, hats off to Kentucky. Really, uh, yeah. really taking a look at that and really having, at that time, a very good relationship with Dwayne Washington to make it how we get done, you know. so um, Absolutely. <laughs> that's one where, you know, you can be mad at him. And, again, I, I that's not a guy I like. But he did. He did help us out there. So all right. Thanks a lot. Wait. <laughs> well, we got to talk about Trey Mitchell because that this is super exciting to get a guy like Trey this far along. First of all, we should just uh, 
do a toast to Bob Huggins. Yeah, is this appropriate? I don't, I don't know if this is appropriate. I don't, probably not. Coming, coming from the guy that made racial jokes earlier. <laughs> this you is know. where I draw the line. Okay. Okay. <laughs> huggy, huggy bear. Enjoy retirement. Thank you for the second gift. We appreciate it. Cheers. Giddy up. No, seriously. Getting Trey Mitchell. <sighs> Man, 6'9", 225. You can play the four, play the five. How excited, Shay, are you to get this guy? I'm I'm very excited, and I've been following his career for a while. But let me first say, like, very sad situation about Bob, Bob Huggins. Yeah. Um, you know, please don't drink and drive. We're very lucky no one died. Um, it was pretty extensive and pretty horrible. The details came out, and that kind of is indicative of a, of a problem. And I would urge all of our listeners, you know, bourbon is delicious, but your life is better. So, you know, I myself felt like alcohol was becoming too part – too big of my life, didn't like how it was, you know, yeah, affecting me. So I remember I took a big break and I feel a lot better and, you know, kind of make sure I always have a healthy relationship, which I haven't always had in the past. So again, that's the first thing I'll say. Um, yeah. But then again, thank you, Bob Huggins, for for uh, letting Trey Mitchell just drop into our, our lap. He's a kid I really like. And again, I don't want to say that that was a plan from along, but if that was – what happened, I think we may have got the best fit power forward that we could have gotten from a fit standpoint. Um, there are some guys that maybe I like better from a talent standpoint, um, but when it comes to someone that you need to just come in and produce, someone who's actually been around college basketball a long time, played at the highest level, played at Big 12, um, played for West Virginia again, played, played at UMass, um, huge, because he, he's got an interesting story. Um, and it's kind of surprising with all the connections that he has to um, John Calipari that he didn't become a cat sooner. I think it was a matter of where he was in it, high school. It, it really is. Yeah. It really is because of his connection with Pittsburgh and with yeah, Cal and with Antigua. I, I, yeah. I told you guys about how deep the connections go and, and kind of did my own research and figured it out. But Trey Mitchell is a guy from Pittsburgh, was kind of a four-star 80th-ranked prospect uh, four or three-star prospect in high school, very dominant high school player, but he was he was incredibly, let's just say he was a high-calorie individual. <laughs> he was about 280. Oh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> he's, a big, he's a big boy. He's a big he boy. He was a big boy at that time. Uh, and um, I believe, don't quote me, but I believe he was high school teammates with Jacob Toppin. And so um, at Woodstock Academy, and he was coached there by his current stepdad, Tony Bergeron who is a assistant, was a previous assistant at UMass, a guy that's kind of, uh, kind of not really a Calipari protege, but one of guys that are, are good friends with Cal, um, you know, because they're both from that same area, a guy, a coach that kind of lauds the dribble drive, teaches the dribble drive to his, his, his players at the high school level. And so um, coming out of high school, Trey wasn't really an SEC level athlete. He was a very skilled big man, like an extremely skilled player. But, uh, you know, with that weight, it wasn't really seen like that's what Kentucky was the best spot for him. Uh, so, you know, he ended up going to UMass, which was a really good spot for him. Dropped a bunch of weight, was still in the 240, 250 range, but he absolutely dominated that conference. I think he put up like 18 points a game as a freshman. It was 18 points yeah. a game as a freshman. Yeah, he's, he's very crafty around the basket. He's got incredible footwork, um, decent measurables despite at that time. And then I think when he decided to kind of move on from UMass to move to a bigger conference, Kentucky already had their roster kind of set with Keon Brooks, with Jacob Toppin, who, again, also was coached by his stepdad, kind of also probably was sent to UK because 
Jacob Toppin does have the athleticism playing the SEC, maybe not the skill uh, that that Mitchell had. And so that's kind of why he didn't end up with Kentucky earlier, went over to Texas, wasn't used correctly by Chris Beard. I think Chris Beard wasn't really a big fan of big men. Um, Chris Beard really limited his minutes. So he decided to leave the team midway season, went to West Virginia, played with a lot of other really good players at West Virginia, and really slimmed down even more. And he's now people keep saying he's skinny, which is great. <laughs> he's really going to be able to get up and down. Fantastic three-point shooter at his position. Really can handle the ball for, for a four. Really a modern four with the ability to get you a bucket down low. So I, I think he's, this is yeah. a fantastic fit next to Aaron Bradshaw. Absolutely fantastic fit. I don't think he could have got. He's a stretch yeah. four. He's a stretch four. He's a, he's a true stretch four. Um, Jacob Toppin has kind of a higher ceiling because of the athleticism, but I would expect Trey Mitchell to be even more productive than Jacob was, just because Trey Mitchell has a true like three level game. He is way more comfortable with the ball in his hands. He's way more skilled down low, whereas Jacob's a little bit more raw. Um, the jump shot is equally good. But the three-pointer is yeah. doing way better. So he fits in perfectly. Yeah, his footwork is pretty damn good. A lot of people talk about his footwork. But, yeah, I mean, with Aaron Bradshaw being hurt right now, I mean, Trey is going to be the guy in Canada. I, I wouldn't be surprised this season if Trey to be our leading scorer, to be honest. I'll be honest. Yeah, I, I agree with you. He, he could just score the ball in so many different ways. Uh, his low post game, even after he lost a bunch of weight, is fantastic. Um He's been playing with even better players now. I mean, it's just – it is a perfect addition that fell into our lap. A guy that's got deep Calipari connections that he's known Calipari for a long time. His dad was like one of the one of Calipari's close friends. So, I mean, it's just glad that one of those guys ended up getting to be a, a cat for at least, you know, some time. 37% shooter last year from three-point range. Had a game uh, where he put up 20 at Kansas – um, in a West Virginia loss, uh, close game though. Um, yeah, like th- th- this guy seems to be the real deal. He seems to be legit. Um, Shay, you're you're talking about um, him being a, a top scorer. Uh, so you're expecting him to start. You're expecting him to get those kind of heavy minutes. Um, is this a situation where you feel like um, he's going to find himself in the role of being a go-to guy? in terms of scoring the ball at some point in the season, will he enter the season with that kind of confidence personally and from um, the coaching staff or from his teammates? Like what, where does he enter the season versus where do you think he ends the season? That's a great question. I think when he, in the beginning of the season um, and not just the season, but in the middle of the game, uh, his role will be different. So as these freshmen come along, um, they'll rely on him less and less. But I think at the beginning of the season, when you really need to go get a bucket, he's a guy that can go get you a bucket for many different ways. He's confident. He knows he's played in that. He's played in the big 12, which in my opinion is probably the best conference in college basketball uh, overall. Um, it has been the last few years. He'll go get you a bucket when you need one. And then, you know, as the season may go, goes on and the freshmen come along, we'll probably need to rely on, on him less and less. But I think in times where the game you really need to rely on someone to get get you a bucket at that point in the game, even if it's late in the season. I think he can go get you one. Um, he's a fantastic, he's a very unselfish player, so that's another big plus. He will he will make the extra pass to get the open man. I'm a huge fan of his game. I think I've always been a, a personally a fan of uh, you know average athleticism, power forwards with good shooting ability and good passing ability because yeah. that's kind of what I was when I played basketball. In high school. <laughs> so, 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 
No, I got a, I got a soft spot for guys like that, like highly skilled dudes, but probably not. Gonna, I do too. Not going to dunk on you every play, but kind of finesse you uh, and use their body in the right use use leverage in the right ways. Yeah. Not just mow you over, or or not going to you know catch a lob, jump over three people. So he's he's a fantastic addition. I totally believe you could get a lob over a couple guys and put it down the shade. I would bet money. <laughs> I don't know about that. Not after all this bourbon. But I hear what you're saying, man. I like guys who are basketball players. They actually can play yeah. the game of basketball. They're, they've got skill. They're not great athletes, but they can. They Which kind of what we, we've been missing from the four spot for a while. Since since P.J. Washington, I want to say that we had a four spot guy that, you know, we had what Isaiah Jackson before that, who was yeah. a little bit raw, but very athletic. But PJ was like the complete package. PJ was was athletic. PJ could shoot three. PJ had skills. Now this is a guy that probably is even more skilled than PJ is, but probably a little bit less of an athlete, but better measurables. So I wouldn't expect to have a, him to have a similar season uh, that that, yeah, th- that PJ did. Yeah, this is amazing. I'm so happy he's at Kentucky because it should have been there a long time ago, but just wasn't the right time and place. Shay, talk to us about Santo. All right, this this guy. We were pushing for him to come on to this this year, but he's going to stay in 2024. There's still people talking behind the scenes that there's potential for him still joining the team. What are your thoughts about him right now? Uh, Santo's a guy that um, I think people need to temper their expectations on. Like I, I, I'm a big fan of his just for Kentucky, but I'm not a fan of calling him Baby Shaq or not a fan of calling – expecting him to be a dominant big man at any point in his career offensively. But at a school like Kentucky, if we recruit the right guards, he's a guy that's just going to clean up the boards, get block shots, catch lobs, and he's perfect in that role. Um, You know, when it comes to him staying at 23-24, even if he comes, I don't expect him to play a lot this season. But Kentucky is quietly really – Cal Perry has done a really good job of building that OTE pipeline. It's not an accident that – Dillingham, um, at, uh, Jordan Burks, Somto have ended up at um, at UK. I'm pretty sure the Thompson twins, if they decided to go to college, Kentucky was really hard on them, and they probably would have ended up at UK. Um, so that's a very good uh, relationship. I think in the past that's probably a, a place that you know Cal Cal would have fought against, but he's really worked with them. I think there are a few people at, at OTE that have really legitimate like made that made it a legitimate organization so um i feel very comfortable with him coming i feel very comfortable with him staying at ot developing a little bit more um you know kentucky did lose out on flory it's looking like flory Baduga, but having a guy like Santo really softens that blow a very similar type of player probably will not never have the high ceiling ceiling that flory does but you know kind of match that production as a freshman um and at worst he's a big body that can come in and challenge Ugo challenge Aaron Bradshaw because uh, he's extremely strong, probably around six nine six ten, solid, solidly built, extremely plus athlete. So I'm excited that they got it done. I I heard that he had been committed for a while already, but you know with what what they wanted to do, whether they wanted to keep him 24, um, that hadn't been announced. But I think Kentucky pushed for him to announce, and that's great because now you got a bird in the hand and you have a lot of options. Whether you want to go get another transfer. And see if you can, you know, really go go hard at a transfer and keep him in, in your back pocket. Or if you don't end up, if you end up striking out on any of these transfers that are potential five men, you know, you can get a one year rental because right now you can only get grad transfers. You can get a guy like Jesse Edwards or someone someone like that that may enter the portal. 
and then keep Santo for next year. And if that doesn't work out, you can bring Santo in this year. So it's a great addition to have. And right now it's great PR for Kentucky more than anything. Because we've had, we've had been going through it rough. Like we gotten clowned by everybody. And now we just had a string of good news and Jeff Goodman is eating his words and, you know, Rob Doster and Terrence Ogilvy, all those guys at the field of 68. Really, I know. Yeah, really are not having a good day because we are up. Oh, we are, I know. Put the word out that we are, we are up. <laughs> so I know. We, I, get their, I, I get their shitty email every day and it's shit. Uh, <laughs> so we, we were worried that Cal was sleeping on 23. Cal comes at us with 24. Like, he, he, he clears out 23, does a good job with that. He's already working, likely on 24. As far as Santo goes, um, would we describe him, and this may be the kiss of death, but um, in years past, I, I feel like, maybe I'm wrong, I feel like we would have described his game as a project, and we would have given him a couple of years. Is this the type of player that, Shay or Terry, you would describe as a project, and it's going to take some time to grow, and he's willing to stay here to do that, or is it something else? Yes. He's a project. I think if you look at him as a project, then you're going to be mildly surprised because Kentucky has done very well with his, these type of archetype guys. Um, not exactly the same type of guy, but like, you know, super plus athlete, big man who um, has good hands and can catch lobs, but not necessarily very skilled and very good defensively. Think like a, a Willie Cauley Stein or, you know, any number of the guys that we had, Kentucky has done really well with developing them. And now that Jay, John, did, did, did you know Willie Cauley Stein played football? Did, did you know? I had that? no idea. No, were idea. you aware that, of that? I don't think. I think that's a rumor. It's not it really like a, did he play tight end? Did he play offensive I, line? Like what? I can neither confirm nor deny. Yeah, he was a, <laughs> he was a pun, punter. Yeah, oh, that's right. Has the measurables to be a good punter. Long legs, you know. <laughs> but uh, you know, not comparing him to Willie Cauley Stein, just saying guys with those type of attributes. Yeah. You know, just guys that are really behind on the offensive end. But I don't ever think he's going to become like a dominant offensive player because I don't ever think that his skill will catch up with his athleticism. But for a school like Kentucky, with some of the 2024, 2025 guards that we're going to going after that are extremely good, he's a, pretty, he's a good fit with those. Because he doesn't need the ball. You shouldn't yeah, they can set him up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, we'll talk more about, you know, potential 2024, 2025 guys maybe in our next episode or future episodes. But I expect to see a lot more movement with 2024, 2025 guards. Um, the guys like Darius Acuff, like um, Jalil Bathia, Trey Johnson, you know, really, really good guard options uh, that haven't been available in the past. So um, it's a guy you want to stay patient with, but very good PR for UK getting it done early because I had a very strong feeling that, you know, he, he was trending away and then he was going to end up at somewhere like Providence because Providence was oh. – Providence wanted him badly. Um, Providence was promising him like a starting center spot this year. So to be able to get him away from there, you know, because some of these guys with his attributes, they go to schools like that, they go to random schools, and they kind of languish on the bench because they're not used correctly or they don't know how to be developed. But Kentucky will know how to scheme around him, which is great. Now, Santo doesn't come this year. Give us a couple transfer options potentially for this year's squad right now. Well, right now, I think Kentucky is one of the four finalists for Pat Mulcahy. Uh, he's like a point okay. guard out of Rutgers. Uh, he's a guard kind of in the mold of like a Justin Powell that played at Tennessee, that played at Auburn. 
but probably with a less crazy dad. <laughs> I don't yeah. expect Kentucky to be the choice there, but interesting that he made the final four, which means that the staff quietly probably pursued him. He probably wants to go somewhere like, I think Notre Dame is a early favorite for him. Um, but in terms of other guys, like as Jack Pilgrim said, I don't want to speculate at this point, you know, before they're in the portal, because then I would be a hypocrite of getting mad when other people did that for Antonio Reeves. But, you know, I will say just Justin, just Jesse Edwards, because, you know, we know what happened with Virginia. He's still kind of pending to see what, if he's going to enter the portal a lot. I don't expect Kentucky to play, be a player with for him, but I'm actually a big fan of his game. Um, yeah. But, but, I, but I don't expect them to be a player. I would still try to go after him. I do expect there to be a wave of grad transfers uh, once August comes, because that's maybe when summer's classes end and guys will try to move to their new school. We're going to talk about in the next episode about whether that's good or bad for college basketball, because this roster uncertainty is now going farther and farther into the summer, which is not really good for coaches, but good for players. Um, it's good for podcasts, though. Yeah, it's good for podcasts. Yeah. I would keep an eye on maybe like seeing if anyone wants to follow Chuck Martin over from Oregon. So we'll see about that. Oh, we'll um, talk about that a little bit there, Shay. Oh, well, yeah, we were, that's next on the next on the list, right? Chuck Martin edition of Chuck Martin. So he's a coach that's coach under Calipari at UMass, I think, at Memphis for a couple of years. Uh, he's got a, a solid resume of being in college basketball for a while. He's known to be a really good recruiter. He um, was a lead recruiter at South Carolina under Frank Martin. He got Jermaine Cousinard to uh, to South Carolina, Greg Jackson. Uh, he's got a pretty solid list of dudes that he's developed and, and, and got over to, to his school. So I'm very excited to have him. Uh, he's definitely going to help out in recruiting. Um, there are a couple guys on, on, on Oregon's roster that maybe potentially could be grad transfers, but we'll get there when we get there. So, you know, don't have to go into that just yet. Um, Cousinard is a guy that's probably eligible to be a grad transfer, but he's pretty late in his career. I don't really expect him to follow Martin at this yeah. point, but he's a guy that did follow Chuck Martin from South Carolina to Oregon, just to show you how highly he probably thinks of himself. All right. So I guess the final thing we're going to cover is off was the off season panic warranted. Did we really need to be so concerned and upset? What's your guys' thoughts? Michael, you take that one. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, I, I mean, I guess there's a couple different ways to look at it, right? You, you can look at where the Cats ended up, and you can go back and say, yeah, it was unwarranted because everything turned out more or less okay. Um, maybe there were some, some swings and misses. Maybe there were some guys that we didn't get that, that we wanted. Um, I, I think from a fan perspective – at, like as we live through this in the the moment by moment or day by day, there's the frustration that we as fans have to live through with every passing day that we see a guy that we're told um, would be a good fit at Kentucky, and we see him end up in someplace other than Lexington, and there is definitely uh, pain associated with that. Um, but ultimately, I think. It depends on how much you trust the coaching staff. And here's where I think it's different now than maybe five years ago. I think five years ago, um, e e most everybody throughout BBN gave Cal and the coaching staff enough credit for being able to get whomever, whenever, that we wouldn't sweat this as much as we do now. 
because there have been swings and misses. We have had some some losses, some first round exits from tournaments. So I don't know that the, as a fan base, we necessarily have the confidence. In fact, I'm sure that we don't have the confidence now in Cal that we used to. Maybe, just maybe, this reinforces the fact that um, we still do have a coach that knows what the hell he's doing and is still capable of connecting with the right people, getting the right guys, and building the right um, uh, roster. And, Shay, I know you've mentioned this over and over again. It's not just about getting the five stars. It's not just about getting the best talent. It's about how you construct a roster to be able to play games and win games. Maybe we're starting to see uh, more of that, and maybe NIL and the portal gives us more of an opportunity to see Cal um, work his magic that way. I, I can tell you that uh, the last couple of years, probably taken some time off of my life because I've worried too much. Um, I I've had too high expectations, and now I go into this season thinking, you know, maybe this is a 22-23 win team. Maybe, maybe less, maybe a lot more. Maybe the ceiling is going to be higher based on what's transpired in the last few days or week. Um, I don't know. But what I can tell you is ultimately the worst fears that we thought two months ago, six weeks ago, four weeks ago did not materialize. So we're in a better place as a team. We're in a better place, hopefully, as a, a fandom because of what's happened. And that probably means we should look inward this time next year or 11 months from now to know that it can still turn out the way that we need it to. Uh, we are at mercy of the situation that we are in uh, because of how we finished the last few seasons. So, you know, with us not proceeding past the first weekend in the NCAA tournament, it's kind of concerning and there's a lot of sense of urgency because if we don't get it done next season, it's likely that Cal is on his way out of mutually out of his way of Lexington is what my feeling is. So knowing the situation, the current climate and how far we are behind, I think the offseason panic was a little bit warranted um, because this is the most important offseason in the Calipari era. Now, if we were coming off like a final four run or an elite eight, I think things would be a little bit different. People would have a little bit more patience and, and trust, but it's been a long time since we could pick and choose the guys that we wanted. That being said, I will say that the staff has done a lot of work to put them back in position to be recruiters. Credit to Cal. He's made a lot of changes that have gone quietly behind the scenes, you know, with the, the new um, athletic trainer, with addition of Brady Welsh, with choosing the right assistants that puts you in, in, in contention with have relationships, you know, getting rid of his previous coaching staff and getting guys that actually have connections to uh, grassroots basketball, to having a good relationship with OTE to, you know, even dealing with clutch, which is something that I know is really a hot topic right now. A lot of coaches don't want to deal with, but being friendly with them, being able to kind of just deal with their bullshit. He's able to get a lot of guys that he wouldn't, that other schools wouldn't. Now, yeah, we, now we have to deal with, Aaron Bradshaw, is his injury going to keep him out? Is Clutch going to keep him from playing? You know, personally, I think that Aaron Bradshaw is going to play. He, he loves yeah. Kentucky. He wants to be at Kentucky. He wants to play. But, you know, that's a game you have to play to get guys. We're going to talk a little bit more in the next episode about the NIL and how the NIL works differently for 
you know, top high school talent versus transfers and why Kentucky maybe struggled this offseason uh, because of that um, and why they were so successful with high school players. Um, so I think the offseason panic is warranted, but I will say the offseason may have turned out better than if we had just picked up the first option that we had. Um, I would have loved to get David Jones, you know, maybe the staff passed for some reason. I would love to have gotten Isaiah Miranda, but things worked out in a way where Trey Mitchell was probably a better option for Kentucky than like an Arthur Kaluma. You know, getting Trey Mitchell, in my opinion, was a better option for Kentucky than Hunter Dickinson. I'm not a huge fan of Hunter Dickinson's game and how he fits in, but it kind of worked out where we probably have the best collection of roster that doesn't absolve Kentucky for being more active. I will say also that you probably don't hear about a lot of stuff that they do. Uh, maybe they aren't, you know, Cal isn't asleep, but my, my criticism is that he's very, very, very judicious about who he selects to be on the team. Very, very careful. And even more so, I think they convinced themselves out of a uh, guys they should get. Like for example, a David Jones, I was a guy that I was a huge fan of David Jones. I thought we should have added him immediately. And he's a guy that loves UK, always wanted to be at UK. And this is the second, third time now. Third time the Cats Kentucky That's said true. no. No thanks. I know. Uh, well, was UK his dream school? He has a very oh, close a kiss connection. Of death. With, he's a very close connection with uh, Orlando Otigua. He visited UK without an offer. An offer never came in high school. Then when he was transferring from DePaul, he was pushing UK to recruit him and, and, and give him an offer out of DePaul. Offer never came. Then now again, they flirted with him again. They really pursued it a lot harder. Offer never came. He was a guy that I really, really liked, kind of a Swiss Army knife player. So, again, that's just an example of guys they could have taken. But, you know, you don't take him. If you take him, maybe you don't get a Jordan Burks. Maybe you don't get, you know, someone else. And, and there are a lot of other things that go on, you know, yeah. like uh, promises about playing time. That doesn't appeal to everyone. Every, some people really want promises, you know, I, and I get it. If you're a guy that has a, a pro potential, you want to get on the court and show what you can do. No, so try to get play that game where hey, I, I want to get guys that that don't want promises. It limits your pool. It limits the guys that you can go after, and that's my approach. Would be different. I would make some promises, whereas I feel Cal doesn't. So I think that the offseason panic is warranted, but I do give credit for them pulling multiple rabbits out of their ass or out of the hat to to really <laughs> put together, a, a, in my opinion, a Final Four ready roster. In my opinion, so that was my. Last question, like, can this roster get to Phoenix next year? Yes. I mean, if Florida Atlantic can, certainly Kentucky can. But even because more we so. Have, we have to get to Phoenix because I live in Phoenix. And yeah. this is like, this is my last gasp. This yeah. has to happen. The main criticism with Kentucky, I mean, the main issue with Kentucky, actually, in my opinion, the last few seasons wasn't actually the uh, – the scouting, it was the level of talent that we had was subpar compared to yeah. what we had Kentucky in the past. Not to say that those were, those were bad players, but we had a lot of guys that were, as, T as Terry Brown likes to say, going pro in something other than basketball. Too many guys that were going pro in something other than basketball. Um, or guys that were long, you know, guys that probably should not have been at UK that we've grown to love. And there are, you know, I won't name names, but that we grow yeah. to love as fans, but Guys that probably are not UK, traditional UK caliber athletes. And now we finally have huge upgrades at, at, at um, every position. And 
I think I, it was relayed to me that another high major assistant said that I don't know why Kentucky fans are complaining. You guys have more talent that you ever had in Lexington for a long time. So this it's is been a, a long time. Of, this is the type of talent that Cal does very well with, that has been successful with. I don't care how old the rest of college basketball is. I'm looking at you, Jeff Goodman, who keeps talking about how old the rest of college basketball is. Oh, my God. Oh, jeez, Jeff. I will tell careful, Jeff Goodman. He'll block you. He'll block you. Be careful. I, what, I'm 35 years old, but when I was 30 years old, I was getting my ass handed to me by 18-year-olds at the gym playing pickup ball. So, <laughs> so yeah, thank you. Thank there you. Was a, there's a reason that some guys are still in college and the other guys are not going to be but, there. But, but Shay, I mean, in, in reality, the reason was because you were only a three-star. So, you know, that's kind of oh, on you. Oh, you're, you're too nice. You're too nice. I was a three-star. <laughs> great, great footwork, though. Great footwork. I was a three-star. I, was, I would be lucky to be a three-star. I would have killed to be a three-star, dude. Yeah. You get, I just got some like, random – Can you get negative stars? <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, I you would. You have to give your stars star. back. Get, just give them back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're not going to rank you with a star. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, get poop, you, get, you get poop emojis by your name. Oh. <laughs> I, would, I would have three poop emojis. Sure. I'm a, a five-star poop emoji guy. <laughs> Five poop emoji. <laughs> do, do you know who's not going to have poop emojis by them? A dude, arrow. No. Because mm. Matt Sachs said he's six fucking eight now. So. Yeah. Our no, guy's growing. He's growing they, every week. Did you see that? Did you see that picture of him and Joey Hart where they were they they were dapping yes. each other up? He looked massive. Dude, we're not talking enough about Adu. Adu might no, just yeah, take he's... over everything. Yeah, he might. All right, we got to talk about our next episode. This is this is running long, man. This has been a great show. Next episode, Global Jam. A lot of talk about that. The NIL Collective, La Familia. We'll talk about some media personalities in Kentucky. I won't name names right now, but uh, that'll be on our next uh, our next episode. But that's it for tonight, guys. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Arizona Tyjo. We do have a podcast uh, Twitter account, Bball Buzz Pod. Shay Michael, where can folks find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at a Bobstar. That's A B H A V S E R. Um, I go by Shay. I go by Akshay. I'm really glad that you guys are still listening. We really apologize for the for the hiatus. I had a lot of life stuff going on, but now that we're situated, we can really podcast in peace. Um, so, you know, very thankful for our listeners, and, and thank you guys for continuing to listen so we can keep drinking bourbon. Amen to that, Shay. Um, you can find me at MGSimmons5280. That's at M-G-S-I-M-M-O-N-S. Five two eight zero. I'm at Mile High Elevation, and this is the home of your 2023 NBA champion, Denver Nuggets. That's freaking awesome! As Congrats. always, we appreciate your support. Go Denver Nuggets! Until next episode, you keep sipping bourbon and go Cats. <laughs>